1: Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Oh, drop everything. There's a man who needs something. What fresh hell? <laughs> Laughing in the face of motherhood.
0: I'm not going to say mean things, I'm going to say
1: realistic things. <laughs> With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. When you're right, you don't have to push. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to.
0: I could talk about Bridgerton forever.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Amy. And this is Margaret. And today we're talking about when your spouse just doesn't get it. But
0: Amy, before we do that, I
1: believe you have a mailbag for us.
2: Mailbag.
1: I have a mailbag that I feel like is pertinent. They're not always episode applicable. They're sometimes unrelated. Today, you've found a perfect one. This is a good one. Sarah recently started listening to our show, and she really enjoyed our Husband Crimes episode. That's definitely an audience fave. We'll link to that one in the show notes. Friends, if you have not listened to Husband Crimes, we'll link (laughs) it in the show notes. Run, don't walk. So Sarah said, I felt like I had to write in with this little story about my husband. I'm currently 33 weeks pregnant, and my first child will turn two in a week. Okay, let's just take a moment like set the stage. Got it. Thoughts and prayers. Okay. Remember that time. A month ago, my husband convinced me to drive him three hours to a ski resort to sit in the gross cold lodge, hugely pregnant with a bad cold on top of it so he could enjoy a ski day. Well, he tore his ACL during this little adventure, and then he decided to go ahead and schedule his surgery for last week. So here I am, 34 weeks pregnant with a toddler, and he is bedridden, refusing to move or do anything even for himself. He... Quote, thinks, unquote, he may be more useful by the time our next child arrives, but he can't promise anything. Can't promise. <laughs> can't promise. I mean, can this marriage be saved, Amy? I'm unclear. Yeah, exactly. This sounds familiar to me that like, okay, my life is about to change. And so like, you know, let me do something that's just for me. Like, you thought it was about you, Sarah, pregnant with a toddler at home, but guess what? It's not. We
0: have a member of our family who famously was driving his wife who was in labor to the hospital with the windows down and something flew in his eye. And so when they got to the (laughs) hospital, he was like, I need to be seen immediately. I have something in my eye. And his wife was like delivering a baby in the hallway. Like, (laughs) could someone help me? And he was like, really, this thing in my eye is quite painful. Sounds familiar. And I'm sure everybody was like, oh, drop everything. There's a man who needs something. Drop everything. This gentleman here has something in his eye. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, well, I have something in my uterus that is trying to escape and I would like some help as well.
1: That's an example of a, uh, a parenting partner who just doesn't get it. Yeah. I mean, we have spoken on
0: the podcast before about marriage. Many times. Sure. And we have especially recently had a lot of conversation on our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what fresh hell cast. Come join the convo over there about spouses who are not giving us and our listeners the support they need. I will say my husband, sometimes we were chatting this morning. I said, I have to record. And, you know, we were coordinating stuff. He said, what are you recording? And I said, we're recording spouses who just don't get it. And he was like, oh, no, I have to run away now. Please be nice.
1: So I need to leave the country before that episode is released.
0: Yeah. He's like, "I'm, I'm running for the hills. So we have an episode called Making It Work for the Long Haul with our guest, Belinda Luscombe. That's an excellent episode. Yeah. Yes, that is an excellent episode. We have another episode called Parenting as a Team where we talk about, you know, how to work together as a team. But today we're going to focus a little bit more on the conflicts that arise and how we're dealing with those conflicts, why those conflicts are coming up and what it looks like when a spouse just doesn't get it. Okay. I love it. Amy, do you know that studies show, I want you to have a seat or take a deep breath and, uh, you know, steal yourself. Margaret, bring in the studies, you guys. I know I have some studies this (laughs) week. It's very exciting. We're in a role reversal. Studies show generally that having kids reduces marital happiness.
1: Yeah. There's more to disagree on. I'm going to lay a little
0: E.E. LeMasters. This is the study that set this up. 1957, it found that for 83 percent of couples, the arrival of their first child
1: constitutes a marital, quote, crisis, unquote. The sort of crisis that might make somebody decide to ski and tear their ACL because they can't handle the idea that somebody else is going to join the family. and They will have two little kids to worry about.
0: Well, and also, I think at the root of it, right, because this we're joking, it's not that surprising. It changes one person's life exponentially. And there is the possibility. I mean, there is the literal physiological possibility that it changes the other person's life. Not at all. Like one in a heterosexual couple, there is no chance that one person doesn't know they have a baby, right? Mm -hmm. There is a chance that The male never even finds out he has a baby, right? Like he impregnates someone and goes on with his life literally. Oh, I see. Yes. That reality is writ large in having a baby with someone. It just changes the females. We're talking about having a biological child with a male. Right. That the change that happens to your life is exponentially larger as the female.
1: And it's these two sort of cultural trends coming together. They're more important than cultural trends, but let's just use that word for the sake of the argument that both women shouldn't have to do it all, that men should take more of a role in parenting their own children than perhaps our parents' generations had expect them to, and that we should exclusively breastfeed, which by definition means it's the woman, the breastfeeding partner getting up at night, four times a night, two times a night, like whatever it takes. And I just think that that's an inequity that it's hard to get back to 50-50 from. And it sets the tone for what follows, I'm afraid, in some ways.
0: Absolutely. And breastfeeding aside, I mean, At least one of my births involved some pretty profound physical injuries. And my husband was and I promised not to say mean things about him when he left this morning. But I'm I'm not going to say mean things. I'm going to say realistic things. (laughs) I'm going to just say true things. And if they happen to me, mean, honey, that's on you. My husband was. At a job where he didn't have a lot of control over his life. And so I think I had the baby on a Thursday and he went back to work full time on a Monday. Now, my mom was out. I had some help, but like he wasn't taking three months of parental leave. And so... The reality is, and he went back to a job where his nine to five at least was quite similar to what it had been beforehand, probably more mental stress, knowing that I was like plotting his demise every second of the day while he wasn't at home. That was something new for him to think about. But Mm -hmm. his day didn't look all that different. You know, his night he would come home and help. But I mean, the fact that for me, I had had this unbelievable, radical shift in my
1: life, there was no way to get to equity in that situation. Yeah. And and I'm thinking back to Sarah's story, which is a hilarious story, but it does make me think same thing there, that both she and her parenting partner could be equally freaking out a little bit about like, okay, we have one, now we're going to have two. That one to two is a stressful time when it's coming near. Even if you're looking forward to it, it's also like, will we be able to do this with two kids? And one partner, Sarah, is completely, you know, physically unable to go have a fun day of skiing and then tear her ACL. Like, go do something that's just for her. Like, that wasn't even available to her. Her partner is like, but I can go on just like I used to be. Nothing has changed. And then, of course, he injures himself in the process. We all want to do that. I took my kids to a Wiggles concert when number two was like six days old. Like, he was just out of the hospital. because my That was a mistake. one-and-a-half-year-old wanted to see the Wiggles. I want to revisit the phrase, my one-and-a-half-year-old wanted to see the Wiggles. Like, what was even going? on there but anyway keep going for me it was a like we can still do stuff like i won't be trapped when i have two we can go on just like it is when we have one i mean so i had a newborn like so little that of course i was freaking out about having this baby at a concert but also like my one and a half year old was so young he didn't even really grasp that the wiggles that he liked to watch on tv were on the stage like they were the same he did not grasp that amy no 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 at all. So, I mean, that's my example of like, nothing has changed. Everything has changed. What was I doing?
0: Yeah. And I do think that there is some biology at the bottom of this, that even if we have the world's most supportive partner who wants to do everything, your partner has not had vast physical injuries, is not trying to navigate Mm -hmm. breastfeeding, which I'm all for breastfeeding, but I'm also all for Being realistic about breastfeeding, that it can be. I mean, I got an infection. It was extremely painful, uncomfortable, and high maintenance for me. I'm still glad I did it. And I think breastfeeding is a great idea if you can do it. But I mean, there's no way, especially with a newborn, to get to equity in that way, I don't think.
1: And what about adoptive parents? What about when there's a surrogate involved? I just want to make sure to widen the lens to include parents where there's a new baby at home and one parent didn't biologically give birth to the child and isn't breastfeeding the child. Is there still an inequity that develops? I think that there must be. There can be. Amy, from the article, Fighting Constantly After Having a Baby? question mark.
0: Read this <laughs> by Jessica Gross. Wow. Sociologists theorize that in heterosexual relationships, mothers are more unhappy with their marriages after they have children because they tend to take on more, quote, second shift, unquote, work child care and housework, and begin to feel like their relationships are no longer fair. Surveys have shown that whether they work or not, mothers are doing more child care than fathers are. Research suggests, although they do note that this research is somewhat less extensive, that lesbian and gay couples tend to divide housework in a more egalitarian way than heterosexual couples do.
1: Maybe because there's not this sort of like cultural expectation that the wife has an apron and the dad goes off to work with a briefcase, there's less of that weighting it down?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, there are two things going on as you talk about widening the lens, that if you have not physically birthed a baby, you are starting possibly at a closer point. It's like what your entry point is, as we were talking about on a recent podcast, Mm -hmm. your entry point maybe has more openness to equalness because you're not going to physically injure your partner to replicate what you're dealing with physically if you've actually had the baby. But I do think that a lot of this is expectation and that we've talked about on the podcast that we do tend to replicate our families of origin, right? Yes. And so certainly I come from a generation. My dad was super involved with us as kids compared to the people he knew, but he was not as involved as my husband is. And certainly the idea that there would be any equity in the relationship was not part of the conversation. I have told the story before that one of my dad's friends, I did not hear it, but it was related to me by my parents, that his wife was so sick that he had to help hold her up so that she could change the baby's diaper. Like (laughs) the idea was like, that's how sick she was. And I mean, maybe that story is apocryphal and it didn't actually happen. And let's pray that it didn't. But like, that's not out of the realm of possibility that like the idea that a dad would change a diaper was so far afield. And this is the 1950s, right? Yes. That it just wouldn't happen. I mean, it was just it was literally. But I think to some degree, and this is possibly controversial, that back in the day, there was less questioning
1: about roles, right? Well, that's right. The woman being held up to change the baby's diaper is like, oh, my loving husband is holding me up so I yeah. can change the baby's diaper. Not like, why don't you change his diaper? That wasn't in the conversation. I think that's right. And I do think that like very strict
0: gender roles are terrible, problematic, and I'm glad we're not doing them anymore. But there was some peace in very strict gender roles in that this was your lot in life. But I think some more conflict comes in as we try to find more equity with partners. It's encouraging to know, I think, that gay and lesbian couples are doing this better. It suggests it can be done once we start stripping away some of these gender roles.
1: It can be done. But, you know, things have changed and they haven't changed. Just this morning, I saw on Instagram yet another you know, viral video on Now This or whatever about a man who learned to do his daughter's hair. It's actually a loving act. It said the girl would give the mom a really hard time when it was time to get her hair done for ballet. You have to get it into a bun. And sometimes my daughter's ballet instructors were strict. Like, we don't want hair falling out, needs to be tight. And for whatever reason, this mom and daughter would fight about this every week. The dad watched YouTube videos, learned how to do a bun. And now he does his daughter's bun for ballet and gets a viral video on now this one way ticket to Good Morning America to talk about what a wonderful daddy is for doing his daughter's hair for ballet. And I think I'm glad he's doing it, but that we still have some work to do if that's newsworthy. We're going to take a break and talk about what that work looks like, Amy. Amy, protein, and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's her o.co and code
0: motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, we're back. I have just finished watching Bridgerton. I would like to do a spinoff podcast that is just all Bridgerton all the time. I could talk about Bridgerton forever. Someone extracted my DNA and made the
1: perfect show to serve back to me. I just really enjoy it. I have not watched it, but I I have heard that. Well, I saw this on John Oliver's show that season two doesn't bring the sizzle and the spice like season one did. It's not as like nudie rooty as my mom would say. (laughs) It's
0: not as, um, you know, explicit, which people are bothered by. But I could watch couples in conflict almost kiss for 500 years and never grow tired of it. Like, I just find it very alluring. And what can we learn
1: from the Bridgerton gender? Well,
0: what makes me laugh is Bridgerton, you know, it's a romance. It's like The Bachelor. And we kiss and we start our perfect life of happiness. Let's drink wine on a balloon and then land near a hot tub on the mountaintop and make out. Friends, friends, I love you, but this is nothing like what marriage is. You are setting people up for severe mm-hmm. failure because a lot of marriage is kind of stable misery. You know, like you go to work. I go to work. We come home. We take care of the kids. I mean, my husband and I always joke that it's like, how about another super fun Saturday cleaning party? We're both working and busy feeding the kids. We fall into bed at night. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we do all the things we didn't do all week, which is like clean the house, you know, light bulbs. Yeah, it's not not exactly landing a hot air balloon on a mountaintop and taking a hot tub and making out, you know?
1: Right. And yet you're like, there's nothing wrong. I mean, what I love about stable misery that, again, that's Dr. Linetta Willis's sort of definition. And we love it because it's like, there's nothing to complain about. It's going fine. In fact, I'm lucky. And yet, like, eh. is there more? Is there this? And I think the problem can be when we feel that way as uh, women, we can internalize that. And sometimes even our partner, I think, can put it back on us. like well, maybe you just need to get back out there and lose that baby weight or like be like you used to be.
0: Yeah, we've seen in the Facebook group, like my husband is saying, you know, when how long is this going to take for you to like get this act together and get back to being the person I liked? Everyone's reaction to the Facebook group correctly is like, tell him to get his suitcase together and start walking, you know. (laughs) But I do think that we can fall into where is my like Bridgerton Duke, who I used to go dancing with and like make out with in the back of taxis. Now we're just angry coworkers at the day care and we hate each other. Yes, your spouse doesn't get it. They don't understand the emotional labor and all of that stuff we've talked about. But there may be parts of it, too, that you don't get from their point of view, which is like, hey, our life has changed exponentially. And the person who used to smile at me when I walk in the door now angrily shouts, take the baby. I haven't had a shower yet. And I think that there's a disconnect. But I think one part of the conversation that we sometimes do skip when we're talking about this, Amy, is can this relationship be safe? Are we dealing with a partner who we can actually partner with?
1: There's something I say to my kids a lot that I think might come into play here. OK, When they tell me something, they're telling me something about their lives. I have three adolescents. I have a 14, 17, and 19-year-old. Man, your kids are getting old, Amy.
0: I know. That must mean that we're getting old, but that doesn't seem possible. We seem so youthful. Right.
1: There's something weird about that. I'll have to redo that math. Yeah. You had those kids when you were 10, 11, and 12. Exactly. (laughs) Really hard for you. But anyway, when they're trying to explain a frustration to you, and you're like, oh, well, sounds like you should tell your teacher that you need a little extra time, whatever you try to help. And they're like, you don't get it. You don't get it. I find myself often saying to my kids, like, you know what, I get that I don't get it. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about that? I think what we're starting from is like, when your spouse just doesn't get it, and they don't even get that you don't get it, right? That's worse when they want our spouses to get to first is sort of a like, wow, there was a lot more going on than I realized. I guess I never knew that to hear that coming out of our spouse's mouth who doesn't get it is the first step, but we have to get them there first.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. And being able to have conversations, I think this is predicated on being in a partnership where your partner has your best interest at heart. Sure. Being in a partnership where your partner really wants to support and understand you and being in a partnership where you are able to function as a team, like you always say, when you and your husband get in conflict over stuff that sometimes you'll break and say same team to each other. Yeah. So I think we have to say that we're operating in all of this advice from a place that is that you are in that kind of relationship. Yeah. That you are partnered with someone who you genuinely believe wants to help you. And so that's where these conversations start. I think if you find yourself in a relationship where you no longer believe that or where your partner is constantly just saying, like, get it together, I don't want to hear about this, that's somewhere where, like, either it's time to part or it's time to head to counseling and see if you can get back to that place. Yeah. We're starting from a place of like, okay, how do we stay on the same team? sue english who is a licensed clinical social worker it's actually an article about when people are undermining their parents partnership from psych central but i think it has a good takeaway if there's conflict within your relationship that includes pent up frustration undermining your partner's position could be a passive aggressive move to regain a sense of power or control in this case communication and mutual respect are crucial This is talking about undermining where you're like, don't listen to mom, you can have a Twinkie, whatever that undermining is. But I think this point is broader. When you're having a ton of conflict, it's a great idea to sort of try to go back to one and say, what is really going on here? And I have definitely had these conversations with my spouse where I'm like, I can't believe that you left your socks on the bedroom floor when there's a hamper four feet away. But what I'm seeing in those socks is a message of like, I don't care about you. I think of you as the maid. I don't care about all the work and labor you do all day. I don't see that you're breastfeeding, you know, a kid while changing diapers and also taking care of a toddler. I don't see that you haven't slept more than four hours a night in a month. And so the socks become the tip of a gigantic iceberg of I feel that you don't See or care about, and certainly don't respect how hard my life is right now.
1: So, you're fretting about the black beans that are left overnight in the pot, not I feel like you don't see how much I do around here. Right. And really, you need to be saying the latter. You need to be saying that. But to do that, I think you need to have sort of a safe space around this stuff. You need to. Make sure it's a good time when this person who you really are going to ask to change and grow in some ways and take on more work and take on more understanding is just as receptive to that. And a time when you are ready to say, look, this is how I feel and not I- express yourself. Yeah. Going back to my Shakespeare acting teacher, the, the greatest thing she ever taught me. I was doing Goneril and King Lear, who's the youngest daughter. And she's telling King Lear, like, those two don't love you like I do. And if you listen to them you're going to be in big trouble and you should not be casting me out. He's casting her out of the kingdom. And I'm doing the whole speech, you know, Shakespearean and yelling. And she just said, when you're right, you don't have to push. And I thought I have to think about that all the time. When you're right, you don't have to push. It's funny because I teach
0: public speaking and I've found myself saying that all the time. I've totally stolen that from your because sometimes we're doing a speech that's like, you know, you must fight. And it's like, OK, you're absolutely right in what you're saying. So the more you push, you lose the authority. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if you are taking on, you know, 80 percent of the work in your home and you're overwhelmed, there's little kids and your spouse doesn't see it and they don't get it. You're right. This person doesn't get it, doesn't see it. And you have a right to feel however you want to feel about that. I'm not saying that. But in order for effective change, you don't have to push. You just have to find the right moment and then say how you feel. And I do think
0: that this is the step that we skip. And I know even now, I mean, our lives are so much easier. And I hope this is true for most people that when I had a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn, and I mean, post-birth, still dealing with all the post-birth grotesqueries, I mean, I was in a place where it's like we say our kids are in red brain. I was in like overwhelmed brain. Like there was almost nothing that my husband could offer me during those times that would be helpful. And I will say he kept trying and mostly it involved bringing me snacks, but which was vaguely helpful. But (laughs) I do find now our kids are much more independent. I have a eighth grader, sixth grader, fourth grader, you know, they're out of the house all day at school. Our lives are much calmer. But even still, often we both kind of sign off at work. I'm me about four, him about six. And then come home, it's dinner, help with homework, da-da-da-da-da. We get the kids to bed around nine, let's say, on a good day. They're still kind of around and about. And we're like, let's watch an episode of something. And then we both fall asleep. And that can be... 24 days out of our month. And then sometimes we'll grab dinner or whatever. And I'll hear him telling a friend of ours at dinner about work. And I think, I had no idea this was going on at your work. We have not had a conversation in 24 days. And one of the articles was jokingly beginning that I read, you know, okay, don't worry, this isn't going to be about date night, because that's the worst advice for couples. It's like, find date night. But I do find that sometimes even now, and our lives are easier now, my husband and I, sometimes I'm like, let's go sit and have a beer in our chairs, even if the kids are on screens, and just try to talk for half an hour, like what's going on with you, and just check in because there is so little time for that. And I think the more often you do that, sometimes it's like you're, my sister says this all the time, right? Like in marriage, it's your parallel lines, right? And as you picture parallel lines, they run for infinity, they never intersect. But then. If your lines start to get even a tiny bit outside, you're growing farther and farther and farther away from each other on your infinity line. You know, like if those parallel lines tick away from each other a little bit, it's exponentially far away. And I think that's very easy to have happen in a marriage where you're like, I'm too busy getting through my day to ask you how you are. And then I'm extremely resentful of your stupid
1: socks because you don't know anything about me and what I go through. It seems to me like there might be like a sort of carrot involved there that if you are trying to say like, okay, I want to redistribute this a little bit, right? I want you to understand what's going on here. I want to have this conversation that that can be put in service of like, I would really like you to be around really helping with dinner and bedtime Every Tuesday, so that we can have time that's really just for us, right? And it's not so you can like rub your partner's feet, it's so you get past the who's taking Billy to the dentist and into like, so how is that thing going that you told me about last month? I mean, I know what you mean that you don't get to like so the so what's up stuff that you have with people you know much less well. That's a reason to show more of yourself to the other person that isn't just like, oh, sounds like it's going to get really boring and hard around here for me, right? You're not just asking for more help with the pots. You're asking for more presence and that will lead to better things for both of you.
0: Agree. And I have more to say about that. We'll be right back.
1: optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration
0: powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting
1: conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S
0: R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, and use code What fresh for 50% off your hydrate electrolytes order. And now, who does your kid love more, mom or dad? From the What Fresh Hell podcast? Mom carried child for nine long months before enduring the lengthy pain of childbirth. Dad
2: did not do any of those things. Daddy is the best.
0: Mom carefully considers children's well-being and safety. Dad
2: can throw the baby like 10 feet in the air.
0: I love Daddy. Mom spent 45 minutes last night carefully supervising homework and
2: repeatedly explaining the concept of fractions. Dad spent four minutes last night singing Havana in a hilarious voice. It's totally Daddy.
0: Mom lovingly crafts healthy meals made of organic ingredients.
2: Dad invented ice cream for breakfast. Oh, for
0: God's sakes, this is totally unfair. Mom provides unconditional love.
2: Dad provides unconditional love and makes fart noises on command. Daddy! Daddy!
0: If you think about date nights, right, every Friday we'll go out on a date. If your whole week is being completely overwhelmed and your partner is really busy at their work and feels like they're always coming home to someone who's like, you left your socks here, you know, that you're going to go to date night and just stare at each other and be like, oh, we used to like each other and we don't anymore. I don't care how good this like sushi is. We're Mm -hmm. mad at each other. I think this has to be as we get to our solutions, like constant small fixes. And I'm going back to Jessica Gross here, who has a list of suggestions for how to keep this working all the time in smaller ways versus like, let's get on a hot air balloon and make out and remember how much we like each other because you're too many socks in at certain points for the hot air balloon to work anymore. She suggests, and she quotes Jennifer Senior, who is the author of the great All Joy and No Fun, The Paradox of Mountain Parenthood. If you haven't read that book, I highly suggest it. Yes. She suggests, and this is the problem. You've got to realize you're running a business here. You're not on Bridgerton. You're running... An operation together. Make a list of household tasks, including childcare, divide them in a way that seems fair but not equitable. So that's a big thing, right? Like there's a difference between fair and 50 50. And this is something that my husband and I have taken a long time to figure out. And right now, I would say that my husband does like 70 30 in the house, honestly. And he works full time and I work full time. He does mornings because I'm not a morning person. I would say right now, It's unfair to him, the division of labor in our house, but I feel kind of comfortable about, I had five years of my life where I did nothing except for the kids. Yeah, And I'm not like holding a chart and being like, now you owe me exactly 4,062 days because that's what you owe me now. I just think that as we constantly rehab these conversations, that the idea of going to something that is equitable versus something that is
1: fair is really helpful. Yeah, and if we're talking about partners who just don't get it, maybe it's not possible For them to take on a lot more than they are now, but just for you to be seen for what you're doing and that you are taking on a lot more than you used to and doing it well, that's separate, right? Like, these are two different things. Like, I want you to see how much I do. That's part one. And then you can have a discussion about, so can you please do the soccer carpool because I'm cracking here. I might flip that, though. Okay, I might say, like, using my mom's
0: North Star behavior is more important than how you feel. You can feel angry at your friend. You can't punch them in the face, right? You can feel annoyed by your mother-in-law, but you can't curse her out. I'm not sure that starting the conversation at my spouse doesn't get it. Therefore, I have to make him get it is going to get as good results as saying, let's get really clear about what needs to be done in the house and have a conversation about who's doing what. A, I think it'll help your spouse to get it. But I also think it's going to yield better results than a conversation where your spouse is going to be like, I do get it. I do get it. I see how much you do. Like, Mm -hmm. I think there's more success to be had in getting into practical behavior than dealing with the like, do you or don't you get it?
1: You know, going back to what we were saying before about The story about the woman who was getting into it with her daughter about her bun, like for whatever reason, she was giving her mom a hard time about it, but she wasn't giving her dad a hard time. What I do get out of that story is like, we've definitely had that in our household that I'm doing something with one of my kids, you know, like I've run like high school admission processes and college processes with my kid gets pretty charged, right? And I am running point on that. And it gets pretty charged between me and the kid. And there have been times where my spouse has stood outside that and been like, whoa, like you two need to stop bickering all the time. Then I need to be like, no, 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 no. Same team, right? It's not like, hey, we're not on the other side of the net opposite you. You and I are on the other side of the net opposite. Let's get this kid motivated. My spouse has taken on some of the stuff that I used to do. And let me tell you, that is a great way for your spouse to suddenly get it and realize that it isn't like just you and your teenage daughter just blow up at each other. When it's all of a sudden the teenage daughter yelling at the other parent about the same stuff, they realize like, oh, it's not my partner being impossible. I
0: think that is so key. And that's a Linetta Willis-ism, right? It's you on the same side of the net versus the problem. And therefore, when your spouse is like, why are there dirty dishes? It seems to me like you just sit around all day watching TV My reaction is, of course, to like take my spouse (laughs) by the back of his neck and throw him out the the door, break the dirty dishes, (laughs) break all the dirty dishes and throw the shards at his eyeballs. Yes. But I think as often, again, in the case where you're going to say, this guy and I are staying together and doing this together, or in the case where you're going to say this person and I are staying together and doing this together, that your goal is to get that person on the same side of the net. And dishes are our common problem. Our dishwasher is broken right now. And Mm. let me tell you, the marital strain is enormous because it looks like a bad cartoon. Like there are literally a pile of dishes. Like if they are going to fall, one of us will be crushed and you will never hear from us again. But we do not have time to get the kids out the door in the morning, both work a full day, get another meal on the table and attack the dishes. And so it's easy for it to become like, why didn't you do the dishes me? And so we really sat down at a certain point, like, okay, who's calling the dishwasher repair man? That's you. And also like, well, let's move to compostable plates for the week. Let's find some solutions together so that this isn't a problem of like you and I murder each other over the
1: dishes, which was, you know, tantalizingly close at some point. Last week, Mm -hmm. getting compostable plates like that's a solution, like dreaming that there's going to be some freaky Friday thing that your spouse is going to wake up one morning in your body and is going to finally see that it's really actually hard what you're doing right now. Not going to happen. It would be nice if it could happen. It's probably not going to happen. Let's get down to behavior. I'll do the breakfast dishes. You do the dinner dishes. And
0: every kid has to wash every dish they touch. My kids are old enough to do that. But we're not finding solutions. We're just letting the problem become a huge thing between us us. Another suggestion from this article, which you talk about all the time, which is a great point, Alex, Kate's Shulman created a marriage arrangement with her husband. Oh, wow. And this is getting really granular on like transportation, getting children from lessons, doctors, dentists, house, party, movies, library, making the appointments. We've never done it quite this granularly, but you talk about all the time like, okay, you're taking Janie to the birthday party and your husband's like, okay, that's fine. That's five minutes. I get in the car. No. That involves going back to the Evite, finding the location of the birthday party, making sure there's a gift that might involve emailing Janie's mom and finding out what she wants. There are actually seven steps to getting a kid to the birthday party. And I think this is often where disconnects occur. And so it's worth having these conversations and sort of highlighting for each other sometimes. And I also think listening on this aspect is fine too. I know for my husband, we had a conversation at some point where he's like, you <laughs> Listen, you don't see that I'm coming in from being yelled at at my boss because I didn't get the client thing right, and he wants the email, and I'm coming home, and my boss has called me in the car to say, I need you to resend those specs for the widgets right as soon as you get home. But when I get home, you're standing there with a baby and trying to hand it to me, and you're ready to be done with your day. If you can identify the pain points and try to say, okay, so I need to adjust my expectations, but that for the first half an hour where you get home from work, you're checking stuff that might have gotten forgotten. You're still at work for that first half an hour. You're changing out of your clothes. You're getting into whatever it is. And I may say like, that's fine Wednesday and Fridays, but the other days I
1: need you to just take the baby and figure it out on your own. You just brought up something there that I think I want to double click on, which is it's possible that you don't get everything that's going on in your partner's life or head either. There might be things that you don't get and asking the person that you love to grow or change or understand things more. In order for that to be effective, you have to open up and be available for change and growth yourself. That's the hard part, right? When you're having these difficult conversations, like, no, 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 you just need to fix yourself. And then we're all set. We're good. My only problem is you do this. I'm like, well, their only problem is you do this. Everybody's
0: had so many years of Doing a ritual that does not involve children. Coming home at work at night means opening a beer, checking, you know, the sports scores, changing clothes, playing my video game for an hour. Whatever that has looked like for you or your spouse beforehand, it now needs to radically change. The key thing that I took away is. It's a thousand small changes. It's not happening at date nights. It's not happening even through like making spreadsheets and conversations. I know for myself that I could go a week and like, I really like my husband and he's a really nice person and he tries really hard to help me. And I could go a week without ever smiling at him. I could go a week with every interaction starting David, which is his (laughs) name, but like... You know, I'm sure that like, oh, it was like nails on a chalkboard. Just like, David, why are your a sexer? David, the baby needs a bottle. David, I need you to hold it. And I think what ends up happening is when we're, our story gets like our spouse doesn't get it, that our spouse becomes our enemy and our spouse becomes another problem. I'm not saying that you have to constantly beam at a spouse who's being a complete jerk to you, but for both of you to try to find those moments, it affects our whole marriage. It affects our intimacy, right? If you haven't had any physical contact, if you haven't hugged or smiled at your spouse for seven days, and then you go to date night, guess what? You're not going to feel romantic at the end of that date night. Mm. This is the guy who's just been causing me nothing but problems. And he or she is looking at you and thinking, this is the person who has done nothing but yell at me about socks for seven straight days. And you're not suddenly going to be like swept away bachelor
1: or Bridgerton style to like a land of romance. You can do a lot of work and climb out of this and do rather major resets around this stuff because my spouse and I have, but then there's back to ones that have to happen all the time. You can't just be like, all right, well, we fix that. And now there will never be resentment or a sense that somebody's doing less than somebody else again. No, there is. And then you just have to do a reset, but change is possible. I've seen it work. Absolutely.
0: I have seen it too. And I think for me, that metaphor of, okay, if we're fighting each other, the problem is we need to get on the same side of the net. Yeah. I know people who have tried this and their spouse or their partner is not willing to get on the same side of the net. Their partner is just constantly shooting balls at their head from the other side of the court. But to the degree that you are in a situation where like your spouse doesn't get it, but they want to get it, invite them to your side of the net and start tackling problems as a team is the key. Love it. We solved it. Solved it, guys. No more marital conflict out there, right? This
1: will never be a problem again in your house. You're
0: all set. You're (laughs) all set. Welcome to your life being an episode of Bridgerton every single day from now on. It's just going to be making out and walking through the gardens all the time. It's really funny. The character on Bridgerton, who did have a baby, she like comes back every once in a while and she's like holding the baby. And I'm like, yeah, your life stinks now. No more making out for you. No
1: more making out in every room of the palace. You're just changing diapers. Do you guys know that we're on TikTok? You can find us on TikTok at WhatFreshHellCast. And we have tons of followers on there and we're putting up clips from the podcast this is a great way if you see us on there you think this is a clip from the episode that you thought was particularly useful or funny you can share it right from there and we can find some new listeners that way that would be a big help to us we're not dancing yet
0: but we may make some dancing videos you know we may start doing the tiktok dances whatever (laughs) it takes people we're here for it and with that thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you
1: next week so long